Hello and welcome to the End-Stage Renal Disease Treatment Choices Learning Collaborative, or ETCLC, podcast series. In these episodes, we'll hear from transplant, donation, and organ procurement organization professionals as they share their experiences, data-proven interventions, and lessons learned as we collectively strive toward our national aims for more kidneys transplanted and fewer kidneys discarded. The Case for a Culture of Yes, Episode 5. Why are we able to perform so many deceased donor kidneys? In this episode, Dr. Bargav Mystery shares how Sanford Health's Yes to Every Organ Culture is supported through a range of tactics, from collaborative decision-making to minimizing post-surgical complications. We also perform almost all the dialysis accesses, both hemo and PD, so we know our patients well. And uh, that is one of the best ways that I have found myself uh, and my colleague, Dr. Dinesh, we believe that uh, it helps us recruit patients. Uh, Many patients who are referred for dialysis access haven't heard about transplant or don't know much about transplant. And when we see them for dialysis access, my first question is, have you heard about kidney transplant or uh, have you discussed, has a doctor discussed with you uh, or Also, at the same time, it gives me a quick access to their medical record and physical health um, to do a quick evaluation as a surgeon, whether they could be a candidate for a transplant or not. And if yes, I immediately contact the nephrologist and tell them, uh, why would you or is there anything that is stopping you from referring this patient for a transplant or what can we do or uh, what is the delay or then we find out more whether it's a social issue or insurance issue. Uh, but many times we are able to recruit those patients to our transplant program. Also, the good thing is that Sanford has a lot of regional clinics. Many of the patients that are referred to us for a transplant are within our own network. So we have access to their medical records. And if we need to refer or get the evaluation done, appointment schedule, it makes it much easier. Again, utilizing these kidneys, what we are doing is really nothing new. Uh, There is plenty of data out there over the last 20 years that we can use these kidneys, whether they are from a deceased donor, either DBD or a DCD, uh, that do well. Of of course, we have to select our recipients. Uh, We are highly unlikely to give a 65-year-old DCD marginal kidney to a 20-year-old recipient. Uh, bearing certain selective circumstances, like if they have 100% PRA, then we may use that kidney. Otherwise, we try and select our recipient uh, appropriately. When we make a decision about a marginal kidney, it's not the decision of a single person. Uh, Almost always, it's two of us, the two transplant surgeons, our transplant nephrologist, many times patients' primary nephrologist, and our HLA director are involved in decision-making whether to accept a particular kidney or not. We also keep our acceptance criteria pretty wide so that we do not miss out on offers. The other point we have noticed over the years is that the patient's KD, the donor KDPI can be misleading because KDPI is calculated at the time when the initial evaluation is done by the OPO and KDPI can change based on potential donors progress. And many times it does improve actually. Uh, The creatinine can be high and now the patient has started making urine and the creatinine may drop or 
things like that. So uh, we personally feel KDP alone cannot be a factor in decision making. We almost always perform an early cross match. Of course, if we have a zero PRA recipient, we discuss with our HLA manager and many times we do transplant without uh, an actual cross match. But if we have time, we still prefer to perform um, an actual cross match as many times as possible. And almost um, nine out of 10 times, we are able to perform an early cross match. Uh, we get the blood early. Our OPO clearly knows we like to do an early cross match and they have no hesitation. Some of the OPOs outside our region are reluctant many times to send blood early, but when we explain to them why it is important, because our priority is A, number one, keep the cold ischemia time as short as possible. If we can save four hours of cold ischemia time to, um, you know, that in our opinion is really a big advantage in a kidney that is already marginal. Uh, and uh, also we have to consider the transportation time. Uh, we definitely want to keep the cold ischemia time under 24 hours as much as possible. And again, as short as possible. Uh, also, the other advantage of an early cross match is that when we have a high PRA recipient, um, when we get the blood early, if we do have a positive cross match, we do not want that kidney to be shipped to us. Um, many times the organs are wasted because again, getting the kidney out of Fargo again can take many more hours and the kidney could be discarded. Of course, there are times that we are allowed to use the kidney locally, but again, if we have positive cross match or likely positive cross match, we rather do it early rather than late. We strongly believe in keeping the cold ischemia time as short as possible, 12 hours, 14 hours is much better. And we personally believe that kidney is better in the body with real blood, oxygenated blood. And we are really less inclined uh, to keep the pump, pump the kidneys basically. Many times we accept kidneys, even though they are marginal uh, without the pump or without the pump numbers. Um, so that we can implant it as soon as possible. We are also very careful in minimizing surgical complications. Our surgical complication rate, I'm glad to say, is very low. Um, risk of graft thrombosis, major bleeding requiring reoperation, anything that compromises the quality of the graft is really, really low. And we hope to continue uh, to maintain that. We are also not fancy about our immunosuppression. Our immunosuppression probably 95 times is standard. Uh, Prograph, CELSEP, uh, and uh, um, um, thymoglobulin, and many of our patients, probably about 60-70% are off steroids within about a week. Uh, we also provide post-transplant care to majority of our patients because most of the patients are from our network and we continue to follow them. I think another important thing as a team, I would say is uh, we have a very small team, uh, but most of our people um, have been here long-term. Um, I just completed 23 years here as a transplant surgeon. And I think many of my colleagues have been here for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, many of my colleagues have been here for 15, 20 years. So that really helps that we know each other well, we get along well, we don't have any issues, frankly, discussing. And uh, everybody knows uh, what kind of kidneys we accept, why we accept. Um, and one of the best thing I liked about the title of this uh, 
I mean, meeting you had arranged was the culture of yes. And I think that is what we have been following. We almost always look at every kidney in a yes manner as to which patient could be suitable and how to utilize this at our center rather than losing the kidney to another center or this kidney being discarded. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ETCLC podcast series. We encourage you to steal shamelessly, as we say, any recommendations and best practices shared by the presenters and their organizations. We encourage you to listen to our other podcasts that help support and improve your transplant work. Also visit our LinkedIn page, ETCLC. Follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at ETCLC1, and check out our YouTube channel for more resources available at esrd etclc